Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Game of Thrones. The Walking Dead. Westworld. No, that's the West Wing. West, Westworld. There we go. There have been many podcasts which seek to analyse the complexities, the depth, the plot lines, the hidden story arcs, the beauty of these productions. Quite simply, the world doesn't need another one, which is why we're applying that level of discussion to the bottom of the televisual barrel and scraping it with a weekly celebration of The One Show. Hello and welcome, welcome, and thrice the brinded cats did welcome to the The One Show show, the podcast that, with cats in mind, picks through the carcass of a week's worth of one shows like the Croydon Cat Killer which now turns out to be a fox of course chewing its way through the guts of Tiddles. I am John Holmes and this is where we open the Pandora's box of BBC One early evening flagship magazine show and well in many ways let all of the evils therein burst out. What a week it's been on the green sofas hasn't it? This week a peacock confuses Danny Dyer, a potato is in a bag, and the one-show graphics department go into overdrive. Joining me for counselling, having watched it all, are the, the one-show show regular Mark Haynes, and this week, two other guests. Two! Count them! No, literally count them, Mark. Two. Thank you. Uh, who make their the, the one-show show debuts. Uh, the scurrilous voices behind the scribbling pens of the magnificent celebrity-stalking gossip website Popvich, Camilla Wright and Chris Lockery. Welcome to the The One Show show. Pleasure oh, we to should be applaud here. Like, when they come Woo! on at the, on the One Show. We have, to, we have to mock that. You know when they get, the, you know you've seen it. You get, they get sometimes with the big name get, they get the audience. <laughs> audience, who are they? To just clap a bit and then they come on and it's it's so well, hearted. Yeah. But, we, but ours was genuine for you. Oh yeah. It's weird. It's weird having you on because obviously you you immerse yourselves in the world of celebrity. In exactly the same way as the one show. Do. <laughs> yeah. Thank all, you so much. All the time. So, so you're familiar with how it all works in in a sense. You, yes. You're talking specifically about celebrity there, and not the one show, because I'm talking about celebrity, right? Because uh, if we if we umbrella mushroom to use a Trump cockism, <laughs> put that over celebrity, the one show is a sort of conveyor belt of people flogging their stuff. Mm. What we were going to ask you, Mark and I were talking about this before. Um, and whether or not to go immediately inappropriate and how inappropriate can we be, is there are a lot of people on the one show all the time. You must have stories or have stories come across your pop bitch desk about the majority of them. The big question is, have you got anything on Matt Baker and Alex Jones? 
there is something on. <laughs> this is the best thing. I know. The pause there thrilled me. <laughs> oh, no. The pause is actually slightly more administrative than juicy. Um, as we were walking over here, we did say, what would have been really sensible to do is check our archive for mentions of Matt Baker and Alex Jones. And so that's what that knowing look was. It wasn't actually anything too juicy. It's actually, we did check Matt Baker this week and neither of us can remember what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's obviously something pretty boring. You've watched the one show before. This was your first delve into it because you know we have to force you to watch it for this podcast. Mm. I was almost on the one show. Camilla, tell us more. About 10 years ago, there was a Pop Bitch Annual, um, which we did with Random House and at the time was really excited about doing but by the time the book came out book publishing world is so long that I just didn't really want to be there anymore it's so- worth saying it that is my dad's favourite book my dad is 75 uh, Pop Britannial is his yeah. favourite book thank you that's the time. credibility <laughs> ratcheted up <laughs> you were going for <laughs> he hasn't heard of anyone in it <laughs> but it was yeah. brilliantly put together likes all the pictures of mannequins <laughs> yeah. shitting on so each other well, yeah. it's so well bound and I went into Random House just before it was published and met the PR person for the first time and they said oh, you'll never guess what I've got you on the one show and I sort of said um, I think we're going to have a problem about where you're pitching this book <laughs> Do you know what? And What's it went funny? Downhill. This week was the one show video that they'd contacted me to ask me to be on. Yes, went out. I was going to yeah. ask you about this. I was going to bring this So up. a while ago, yeah. I told the story about meeting Roger Moore when I was a kid, and oh. I met him again when I was an adult, and it went a bit viral, and it was all exciting. And I got contacted just after we'd started doing this show yeah. to say, "Would you like to be on the one show? Would you come in?" I thought it was a trap. I thought they were going to stab me. But it turned out it wasn't. It was actually to be on a very, very dull little piece about Roger Moore. Yeah. Which obviously has been sitting now on the shelves waiting. And this was the perfect opportunity in that they've got a new director for the new James Bond film. Thank God. Reach for that film. That's right. And they do this. We've learned this. So Jay Rayner told us this. The films that you may assume are just shot for those individual episodes of The One Show, of course, absolutely not. They sit on a shelf. They could have been there for years. And they try and then tenuously link them to the guests. And occasionally these films just fall off the end of the shelf and never get shown ever. So absolutely right. The Roger Moore one. Now, it brings me very early, though, to the most interesting fact of the week. I oh. have exactly the same interesting fact of the week. Is it to do <laughs> with, with the, the invention of the Magnum? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep, it is. Yeah. Uh, Roger Moore, there was a book uh, sending letters to people they wanted to speak to. Yeah. And most people sort of wrote to Mother Teresa or they wrote to Gandhi. And Roger Moore wrote to the chairman of Wall's Ice Creams <laughs> to say, why don't you make a chalk ice with a stick in it? <laughs> and they showed the chap who was talking about this invention eating a magnum. Yeah. Roger Moore invented the magnum. There we are. And that was the most interesting fact. I mean, we all saw it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What did you make of the film? Oh, by the way, they should have called it the Walther PPK. Why were they calling it? That's, Magnum is not James Bond's gun. gun. That is Dirty Harry's Off gun. Off brand. I mean, what are you doing? Cold finger? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> what did you make of this episode? So this was Roger Moore, and they tenuously got it in because of the Johnny, Johnny English, English, Rowan Atkinson, Ben Miller connection. There, there's that saying, isn't it, that you should never meet your heroes. And I think there's also that you should never see your heroes on the one show. Because <laughs> <laughs> i big fan of Rowan Atkinson's comedy. He has been hilarious in loads of things I've seen. And just to hit that that intro they did with him where he drove in his own Aston oh, Martin, oh whatever. Was so, and you know that was in at his insistence. Yeah. Please welcome the stars of the latest Johnny English movie. It's Rowan Hi, 
right. driving extremely slowly. It was my, it was one of my candidates for handbrake turn of the week. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a literal boring handbrake There's turn. There's a funny thing about Matt Baker where Matt Baker asks really banal questions and sometimes they get answers that are better than the question deserves. So Matt had said to him, so when did you buy that car? You sort of go, that's a terrible question to ask Ryan Atkinson. And Ryan Atkinson ended up sort of saying, well, I sort of bought it a little bit before Johnny English with this with film coming up. Dodge in mind. Big tax. Oh, suddenly that's tax deductible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. that was my first thought. <laughs> and Ryan, this is your Aston Martin. Yes, this is mine, and it is the actual car in Johnny English uh, Strikes Again because we have a digital software billionaire as yep. the as the enemy as the villain in yes. our movie and so Johnny English's plan is to tackle him in a purely analog way so it's an analog versus digital story yes. so we reject um, mobile phones and things like that and, uh, and so, uh, so obviously Go an analog car was a very important part radar. of that mm-hmm. yes. and when did this car come into your life uh, not very long ago actually oh, only really? about six months before the film oh, I actually, I, to be honest I had the movie in mind when I bought the car I thought oh, if the story that we were working on continues to be the story that we shoot, that I thought that this this could be the car. And I just think it looks great. I think it looks really it's nice. Agree in a weird way, that question was disarming, because you find out more about what the real Rowan Atkinson is like. Yeah. And, was he, a... and he, doesn't, he doesn't seem that nice. <laughs> actually, yeah. There was actually there was a weird bit as well when he was talking about things that don't make him laugh, but do. And he said, uh, you know, I obviously there's a, a lot of things. And he, he spoke about somebody, I can't remember who the first one was, and said, you know, I always, I always found oh, that please. very amusing. Oh, John, oh, please. John please. More, uh, more recently, I suppose, uh, Dame Edna Everidge. <laughs> 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 wow, well, you haven't been. laughed since, like, 1986. <laughs> Jesus. Um, Actually, the best thing about it, I think, was an illustration of how they can turn even the most interesting anecdote into something really banal. Because Ben Miller had an anecdote about how he was mistaken for Ben Stiller at Cannes, which was actually quite a good yeah, story. yeah. But it was like teed up with, so, so Ben, you, uh, after the Roger Moore thing, you have a special connection with someone. And he was like, do I? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do. With Alexander, yeah? And they went, no. <laughs> it's like, why didn't you practice this? The whole episode was geared up to just make Ben Miller be pissed off. Yeah. The whole thing was about Rowan Atkinson. So even when they got out of the car, right, I thought the bit when they got out of the car at the beginning when it came on. So first mm. of all, you know, that, that happened. They arrived in a car, cut they're on the forecourt. It's there's a new James uh, James Bond director that gives us an excuse. Cut, oh look, who's this? Who's this making an entrance? And this slow Aston Martin drop. <laughs> um, and, and they got Ben Miller got out the camera side and Ronak just had to kind of walk round. So it was all about Ben Miller. And that was the last time on that programme anything was about Ben Miller. <laughs> yeah. And then he came round and, of course, Matt went, what an entrance. He, what, no, it wasn't. I mean, he's just a man in a slow car. And then the whole thing was... How good is Rowan Atkinson? Yeah. For yeah. half an hour. They yeah. even asked Ben Miller, what's your funniest Rowan Atkinson <laughs> moment? <laughs> and when he said, oh, it's from Mr Bean's Holiday, I was like, there's a clip they've got queued up. There's no, there is no way that that is actually his favourite Rowan Atkinson moment. They played the clip and halfway through, I think Alex or Matt was going, this isn't very funny, Ben. <laughs> and then they, he went, no, it goes a bit longer than this. <laughs> and they had to sit there and watch it and go, oh, it's okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you're tasting jokes slagged off by Alex Jones. And... <laughs> but Ben, I mean, you know, I felt for him. I was thinking, yeah. you know, he's sitting there. He's in the. I know it's Ron Atkinson, Johnny English film. But Ben Miller, I was going to say Stiller then. You see how he works? Has been in that film franchise for a long time. Nothing about him, was there? Nothing. There was also an, a notable thing in this where they only had two films in this episode. They don't normally spend as long with the star. So whether or not Rowan Atkinson had agreed to do it with the proviso that he had a good sort of 10-minute section in there. One of the films, 
uh, was about Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> it was yeah. like, the best oh, of Rowan Atkinson. God, and they were explaining Mr. Bean. That, so they took Mr. Bean, which is famous sort of silent comedy, and they just had members of the public describing what they saw and seen, oh, which sucks any comedy awful. out of Mr. Bean. Just people going, and so he just sees this thing and he's feeling very scared and he like nearly falls off but then doesn't quite and then, uh, oh, it's brilliant. It just was like pulling teeth. It is the worst possible thing to have done the, to anyone involved. The bit involved. Of, that shot me the most in that film, bearing in mind it's clips of Rowan Atkinson's career and you could pick so many, couldn't you, from Blackadder. Oh. And, you know, obviously going up to people going, what's your favourite meeting Rowan Atkinson? And this uh, woman went, well, it was... Um, oh, it's it was the, and she said it was in the, they were in the Tudors. They're in the Tudors. <laughs> she they're did in the in Tudors. The Tudors. <laughs> so Blackadder two then uh, Tudors, and so they showed the clip of the scene around the dinner table with Miriam Margulies <laughs> with some tits on her head, right, passing around a cock and balls shaped party at seven o'clock on BBC One. And even better, she said, my dad loved this so much that we used to go around looking for thingy shaped vegetable yes, things. She did. <laughs> Well, I think it was even worse than that. I think he'd never even seen Blackadder. I mean, it was a horrible story. He, he just went, the woman just said, oh, the thingy shaped turnip. It wasn't vegetables. That would have made it all right. Yeah. And he didn't even say vegetables. She <laughs> said, not. my dad always used to make us look for thingy shaped <laughs> things after that. Thingy shaped things. Well, this has gone dark. So he's like, he's like, come on, kids, bedtime. Why don't we go look for the thingy shaped <laughs> thing? It's like, oh, God, this is seven o'clock. We're out <laughs> cock spotting with dad. <laughs> point they went to butterflies or something <laughs> edinburgh butterflies wasn't it oh that was dull i had this as a as a runner-up in handbrake turn of the week so with a feature whereby they talk about one thing and then awkwardly get to the next and this was my runner-up where they were talking to Aaron atkinson and ben stiller miller and, um, <laughs> and this was it angela scanlon on this one yes, yeah, it was, was, yeah. yeah she said now just like johnny english george Maguire is never one to shy away from the mission yeah. <laughs> what that tonight stinks. is on the hunt for the edinburgh butterfly uh, angela scanlon i love like it when she comes in because she sees every one of these shots that she gets when she's filling in for Alex she goes if I do well tonight I will get this job full time <laughs> and she goes in every line is sassy and funny because she's going I will kill I will kill the queen and I will become queen of the hive she's merciless <laughs> they did that thing where which TV shows and radio packages do this all the time it isn't doesn't annoy me it just makes me feel bad for the presenter if indeed the presenter's written their own lines but putting in the work to do a quirky intro mm. right so this was a great example of when this happened so they go he's been on the hunt for the elusive edinburgh butterfly and angela sort of went oh edinburgh i know edinburgh because she's like from she's, she's the scotland and then it cut to george Maguire, who's their sort of guy who does all the insecty stuff he just went arthur's seat holyrood park the scottish national parliament i hardly need to tell you I'm in Edinburgh. Oh. You, we know. We just heard it in the setup. They've just, they always do this. Yeah. Come very on. Very true. What, what did you spot a handbrake turn of the week while we're kind of in this arena? I don't know if this is, um, it seemed like a relatively coherent week. Uh, I don't know if this is more of a Stockholm Syndrome style thing yeah. after watching yeah, multiple episodes. You're like, yeah. oh, actually, that, 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 that isn't too bad a link given the disparate nature of the segment. They've made a conscious effort to change this. Yeah. They really have. It's been in the last four months. Yeah, <laughs> funny that. Is a show that we know they listen to and they have taken out the handbrake turns. Yeah. I didn't see one this week. Uh, there was a good one. Uh, we came back on Friday. Yeah, go. Sarah Cox. Who's, uh, is this her first appearance? Is What's this her? her first appearance? You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so she took this one very seriously. It was um, shifting from an interview with Danny Dyer, where know, they were I talking. Know where you're going. I got this. Yeah. One, yeah. What's great about this is that they decided to weirdly try out their accents as well in the middle of Sarah Cox's handbrake turn. 
but she she her voice went really peculiar when she was moving from um, Phil Mitchell and doing a Cockney impression, and she was like. But anyway, Network Rail have just sold off all their arches for £1.5 billion. Pounds. <laughs> to which Alex Jones jumped straight in with like, oh, that's 60 million ponies, Danny. And like we're trying to do this weird Cockney accent with a Welsh... Oh, it was... That's 60 million ponies, Danny. <laughs> oh, it's getting worse. Danny Dyer looks disgusted. <laughs> Absolutely disgusted. <laughs> You're taking the piss. If only he'd been Chinese. And Alex had gone, we're still doing this. You know? <laughs> We've talked about this before. It's fine to do accents. Yeah. This uh, was Danny Dyer talking about Pinter, which they then turned into, well, Phil Mitchell. You always see him down the arches, just like Network Rail. <laughs> <laughs> what? What are you doing? Yeah. Was it Sarah saying Albert Square's arches are full of drama? Yes. Or something. But, yeah. but so are the real ones. And then the voice shifts into the yeah. Network Rail. It was that little... <laughs> There's a really odd fact about how Danny Dyer, he was discovered by Harold Pinter, yeah. the playwright, yeah. and, and Pinter had said he is going to be one of the great actors of his generation. Yeah. He was and not wrong. He's not wrong. It's always seen as being a hilarious clash of high and low culture. Oh, Harold Pinter thought Danny Dyer was good. Maybe Danny Dyer is fucking good, people. Yeah, I, I, I have such respect for Danny Dyer because he, he delivers... I mean, he's a pretty, he's a good actor. But he, when he's a guest, he delivers as a guest. There was a great bit in the, in the Danny Dyer one where their film was about a peacock. Did you see this? <laughs> no, the peacock is my birdie, fav- yeah, yeah, yeah. favourite show. It was all to do with, they talked to him about Love Island, didn't they? Because obviously his the other Danny Dyer, yeah. his daughter Danny Dyer was on Love Island. And they said something like, inspired by Danny Dyer's daughter on Love Island, we thought we'd play matchmaker. Uh, the thing is, there are loads of human dating shows... <laughs> <laughs> already you're going what so we've gone in a slightly different direction <laughs> it's a film about a, a lonely white fully white peacock that just li- escapes from and now lives in a village okay this was my favorite moment for the whole week because this woman who had this white peacock in her garden she said well there is a white peacock farm up the road but <laughs> i called them and he she, they said no no he's not one of them <laughs> <laughs> And she believed it. And she went, oh, okay, then I better look after you. This peacock that was terrorising the neighbourhood as well. Like, it was being a real dick of a peacock. And these people were going like, no, I don't think it's ours. No, that, a real dick of a peacock. No, I don't think it could be one of ours. You take care of it. It was waking everyone up at four in the morning. There's this peacocky noise on the houses. No, not us. No. Sorry, if I'm following this correctly, they set this up with a woman. No, no, no. No, the woman, she ended up with this, and so she tried to find it. It was making mating noises and waking everybody up. She took it upon herself. So she fucked it. (laughs) To shut it up. That's Um, your answer to everything. (laughs) Worth a shot. Did she manage to find it a mate? Denise, I believe, was the peacock. (laughs) (laughs) Denise. You're Uh, a peacock and you end up being called Denise. (laughs) I don't know if they actually... um, Hit it off, but they were they were forced together regardless. So <laughs> in her garden, and it, and it, the peacock, you know, it, it would strut around the village. It'd become a little local celebrity in its own right. Um, this this Bertie the pe- dirty Bertie the peacock. Um, we say. noticed as well uh, when we were watching this, and I know you say that these films are, are often filmed in advance, and mm. you're never quite sure when they're going to appear. Mm. 
we were wondering if this was possibly filmed at the well we were kind of hoping it was filmed at the world cup because that village was absolutely coated in st george's flags <laughs> really? like everywhere yeah no that was filmed last week <laughs> <laughs> and that's why the peacock in, was white in the world yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a classic film which was a absolutely non time specific film but it also had no point. I don't know if you saw this one. This was the episode where Jonathan Price and Eileen Atkins were on. Yes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember her name, but she's a woman from Lancashire who looks like a sort of cross between Barry Cryer and Dennis Norton. And she's a, she's a gardener. And she, she met Rachel Koo, yes. the chef. And I cannot tell you what this piece was about other than someone went, do you know who I'm in love with and would like to film? The cook, Rachel Koo. <laughs> and this funny woman, who's the gardener, went to see Rachel Koo. And they went back to Honiton, which was the first place that Rachel Koo, who is originally from Croydon, had been on holiday. And Rachel Koo walked them round and ate some radishes and pointed at some bushes. And then it was over. <laughs> they, it had no content whatsoever. None. Absolutely none. I've seen it twice and I still couldn't. I, I still wasn't absolutely sure why they were doing it. Because no. she was, they made a big thing of her living in Sweden at they one did. point. And then, um, she, said, she said, I met a Swede, not the vegetable. And let me tell you, that was a fucking laugh. <laughs> Everyone was slapping their thighs over that joke. Yeah. Christ almighty. It wasn't shaped like a cock, like in the Black Adder. <laughs> it was like a thing of going, the historic figure, Rachel Koo, revisits the places that made her Rachel Koo. Does anyone know who Rachel Koo is? No. It was like focus grouped perfect though, wasn't it? It's like for one show viewers, fruity lady, regional accent, yep. gardening, Devon, cookery, <laughs> countryside, nothing in it. Nothing I mean, at all. Well, it was like George Maguire's butterfly film <laughs> that, that they shoved on the end of Johnny English thing. It was it, two and a half minutes. Not, there was nothing. To, it wasn't. It's like it was a half made film that didn't really work at all. And yeah. then they sort of. Ron Atkinson's had his 27 there, minutes of there promoting There are actually Ron a lot of ones obviously filmed during the summer. Yeah. yeah. But it was yeah, the, there blind, was the flying ant. The oh, flying well, ant. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. But yeah. what was blindingly obvious about the butterfly one was when we watched it, came back to the studios right at the end of the programme, having all been about Ron Atkinson and not Ben Miller at all. Matt said, uh, well, obviously we're at the end of the summer and out of butterfly season, so do look out for them next May. There <laughs> 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 you go. What? You obviously filmed that? God's sake. There was one that was filmed more recently, and that was Angelica Bell reporting on drug abuse in Shoreditch. Well, they, yeah, this was part of their obvious, like, be a bad fucking grasp theme yeah. for the week. Where oh. it was like, hey, everybody, snitch your neighbour. <laughs> yeah. It was, it so was a really weird. There was two. It was like a double whammy. of The, the day before was encouraging people to take pictures of People using their phones. Yeah, and their really, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and Dom from Don't Get Don't Get Dom. Well, he was very excited. Wasn't he, he really got a taste for it, didn't he? He, he was really it. like to bring bad guys down. <laughs> and then yeah, that. then there was this. Um... It was very odd. It, it was a thing that made the papers like the standard because a lot of residents in Shoreditch had put up signs saying "drug dealers parking here" because they wanted to bring attention to the fact that drug dealers were working around there. The bit that really fucked me off to absolutely unbelievable levels is there was a guy, your average Shoreditch hipster, which, let me tell you, is at least 15 fucking years out of date. <laughs> and he said, I moved in here five years ago, he said, and it's definitely got worse. There are people selling drugs quite openly every night. I moved in five years ago, and over the last five years, it's, like, massively changed. There's more and more and more and more drug, drug deals happening, more and more. 
Addicts coming along, it's like zombie nation. Have you thought about leaving the area? It's, it's, it's not about leaving, it's about well, how do we solve the problem. Do you remember what Shoreditch was like 10 years <laughs> 20 ago? 20 years ago. Do you yeah. remember what it was like 15 and 20 and 25 years ago? It smelt of heroin, right? <laughs> Everyone you spoke to was off their fucking box. And the idea that some people are selling a little bit of draw here and there was important enough to get Angelica Bell down and people go, it's really changed. 15 years ago, For the you, better. if you'd have set fire to Shoreditch, everyone in the southeast would be off their fucking nut on crack because those fumes from burning Shoreditch, a really odd thing to sort of go, it's really got worse. No, it hasn't. They do. Don't lie. <laughs> the grassing thing, though, uh, no uh, drug pun intended, did, you're absolutely right, the, the, the high-vis one-show squad went yeah. out, didn't they? Did you see where Why? they... Why were they in high-vis jackets? I can't work this out. The, I, I was confused as well. I mean, I'm guessing it was a BBC Health and Safety. <laughs> They're standing by a road. Therefore, they were we on the pavement. On, on, behind railings as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. It couldn't have been. But Dom from Don't Get... Don't Get, don't get don't Dom. Get, yeah. well, Dom, get Dom. Don't Get Dom. Don't Get Dom. Don't Get Dom. You're absolutely right. He was so excited about the whole thing. People just... It was really encouraging people to just grass on people for not... You know, for people who were stationary. And I know if yeah. your engine's running and you're on the phone. You know, and they did spot a guy on an iPad while he was driving past and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And they were filming them and, and sending it. Because it was it the police have said, film people using their phones in the car, send it to us and we'll go after them. I.e. do our job for us, if you will. And then we can get our prosecution statistics up because you've got filmed evidence. Why don't you do that, public? One of the policemen actually gave a nice little bit of small print in that. It's like... It's like We'd be happy to act on these tips if you send them in and you're prepared to file a statement and possibly turn up to court. (laughs) 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 Hang on a minute, what are we getting Tom got so excited. So this high-vis crew, were uh, the the one-show squad, were seeing how many people they could get on camera, on their phones, with Dom. (gasps) At one junction. It, where was it, Surrey or somewhere? I can't remember. No, Birmingham somewhere. Oh, I think, right. yeah. it was, yes, you're right, it was Birmingham. And uh, get me in my southern bubble. <laughs> um, and, they, and he spotted this motorcyclist, and, and he got very excited. The motorcyclist stopped at a red light, and he's saying a guy with the high-vis on, who's just some people they've randomly <laughs> trolled the streets for, go, film him, film him. Right? And this guy's got his phone out. He goes, he's going, zoom in, film him, like that, and he can't. So the camera crew that are also standing there, i.e., it's obvious this is all happening, Zoomed right in on this guy on his motorbike who's um, stopped. He's stopped. Probably looking for directions. It, like a de- delivery, delivery, delivery but it was, yeah. you know, food drive. In fact, they were deliberately non-specific. He's a food driver. <laughs> yeah. Look at him. And so they, they got him, you know, looking at his directions. I'm sure it was his sat-nav or whatever. But he was, sta- I mean, he was stationary. And Dom was just trying. Nothing was happening. And Dom was just going, he's insane. He won't even be able to tell, he said, when the lights go green. This is insane. <laughs> Look, he's pulling away. Yeah, because he noticed the lights went green and he put his phone away. <laughs> what? It was at the verge of getting a bit like Channel 4 Michael Crick, like chasing him down the street, going like, what are you going to do about this? <laughs> Why are you trying to kill all the children? He was going, what a donut, he went. <laughs> What a prick. And then they cut back to the studio and said to Matt Baker, would you do that? And he's like, no, I wouldn't stand by the side of the road and film anybody. It's just like... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if I was in a car and I saw it, but would I stand by he the was... side of the road? No. 
No, but he was that he absolutely made it clear that he would be a snitch. It was more than sort of like, I'm not going to waste my time, but I'll definitely shot people in. There's something in it for me. I'm going to do it. I'll turn people over. No no worries about that. He did a very, very emotional appeal about Hurricane Alley this week as well. Look, there's lots of things are going on. And Alex sort of said, oh, yeah, I believe the lights are out on your parents' farm as well. And he properly looked like he was going to cry. He really went, yeah, it's been very hard. <laughs> that was the other best bit, wasn't it? Yeah, there's literally a, a, a 40 minute window where Matt's parents have had to stop killing animals. He is devastated. <laughs> you can't quite swing at the right bit. Yeah. Yeah. This was one with Michael Palin on as well, wasn't no, it? No, I think this was the Bonnie Langford day. This oh, is Bonnie Langford, Langford. Oh, yeah. Because okay. he accidentally made up Greenlock a place and just yep. made it up. They talked about the, the, yeah. the winds and uh, a cruise ship, and he said it's in Greenlock and it's having problems. And a lot of people then contacted the one show to say no Greenock because that's a place <laughs> but um, it was also the bit where Alex Jones offered her sincere condolences to everybody that didn't have power the exact demographic I mean I know a lot of people weren't watching the one show but the ones very specifically not watching the one show the people who tellies weren't working really true and that it really also, was the our thoughts are with you at this difficult oh, it time was, like, it was so over the top the trees have fallen down it's not it's not the super typhoon going through well, Asia or yeah. North, North Carolina or Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. 
And then you got treated to the sight of they had to move on very quickly from that. So they went, anywhere. here's Bonnie Langford. And Bonnie Langford had turned up in costume. And she looked like... Imagine if Bonnie Langford was having a three-way with a queen mother and a swan. Right? <laughs> Hang on, let's all take a moment to imagine that. <laughs> she did. Hang on, Steve. <laughs> Which end's the swan? <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of all over. The swan is the busy one. <laughs> and, uh... You break your arm, Bonnie! <laughs> <laughs> She was doing a matinee of 42nd Street and then she was going back to the evening one. Yeah. And they were really ramping up the whole, oh, you've got to be back, you've got to be back. And I did sort of think, it's a bit disrespectful to sort of go, I can squeeze in the one show. By the last link, she was on a, a stick mic because yeah. she was out the, out the fucking door. But they ended it just watching her go in her Addison Lee to leave to the theatre and they treated that like a great sort of like sonne lumiere ending here she goes well, she's in the car off she goes you're literally just watching a woman get into a taxi and they didn't cut away from them there was like the, the last as the credits were about to roll they were sort of stood there for a long time looking at the guy the car had turned and gone but they didn't want to turn back to the camera and be like well there's nothing left. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so they just have to keep else facing to that way. The whole running order's been Langford done Langford told Damn. a great story. She had a great story. So when they first sort of chatted to her, they were talking about, oh, you, you're back at this theatre where you, you started off many, many years ago. And she told a story which I've heard before, but I've never heard her tell it. I've heard it told by other people. And it was a Gone with the Wind musical, which was a big flop. And Noel Coward had turned up in the audience. And but they had a Shire horse on stage. And on the first night, the, the Shire horse had shat everywhere. And so Bonnie had said it left a couple of gifts on the stage. And there was anxious laughter where people go, where's this story going? And she went, a couple of steaming, steaming. gifts. <laughs> <laughs> on the very, very first performance, uh, we had... Uh, we had a lot of royalty. Well, we had Princess Anne came and then some notable people, including Sir Noel Coward. Mm. Now, uh, the show went up half an hour early because it was a special gala night. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, that's not happening tonight. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, there was a horse in the show, a Shire horse. As a well real as burn- one. A real one. Burning of Atlanta. We had a train. I mean, it was massive. It was epic. And then in the second act, there was me, seven years old, dot, curly hair, and um, doing a number, very, very cute. Uh, but the show was not... Not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And Sir Noel Coward was in that audience as well. After the show, the producer, Harold Fielding, asked Sir Noel what he thought could be done to improve the show. And he said, well, I have to actually praise you this with the fact that everyone was nervous, including Charlie the horse. Right. Uh, Unfortunately, uh on the first night, Charlie the horse left some little... Gifts, slightly steamy packages, and the stage manager had to walk on with a shovel and a broom and sweep them up. And so no one said at the end of the performance, well, the only way to improve the show is to solve two problems at once, shove the child up the horse's... Oh. <laughs> and that was me. So now I'm still back. I'm back there without a horse, oh. but with a lot of glam. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a fantastic theatre. A pro. Yeah. Why couldn't everyone else have been a pro and just gone, what a story? Bonnie Langford, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Marvellous. Uh, Alex did one joke, which I was like surprised to hear that from Alex. And she went, Noel Coward, what does he know about theatre? A joke. Day, yeah. An actual joke. Yeah. Man. Was that said in the Unless she confused him with Noel Edmonds or something like that. Maybe yeah. she, how come it was right? She might have just been asking. <laughs> <laughs> Noel Coward, what does he know about theatre? Please tell me, Bonnie. <laughs> I have a slight obsession with Alex now because everything she says has got 
menace and a threat oh, behind yeah. it. You know, she can say something really sweet and you're thinking, she she didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> She's, She's got a dark oh, agenda going oh, on. Man. I mentioned the Michael Palin episode. I don't know whether you, you saw this, but he was he was on to promote a book, Michael Palin. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got a new book coming out. But he was also, this is what I mentioned earlier about the, the you know, he was cleverly promoting two things. The other one was his series, Nor- Michael Palin Goes to North Korea, mm-hmm. which is on Channel 5 it's for on some Channel inexplicable five, yeah. reason. Yeah. Why isn't that on the BBC One? Anyway, the One Show's graphics department aren't kept that busy, shall we say. <laughs> I don't think so much they've, we've talked about this before they've now come up with these graphics at the beginning of the films that they do where they give them titles which they didn't used to do um, so they had uh, talking to Michael Palin he's, he's honestly he's talking about North Korea and they had a clip of one of the big uh, marches in Pyongyang in the square and they, they flipped it so the, it looked like the entire military of North Korea were holding flags that depicted Michael Palin's face hmm. okay as they flipped over and it was on screen for a second and a half, two seconds, as a little welcome to Michael Palin. And you think, someone in graphics, right, to get that right, has spent a day? Three days. Working yeah, on that, days. for that. And they were probably pleased to do it, to be mm. honest with you. And Michael Palin was, and sort of went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, like that. And it was just one of those things where someone's had an idea, but the execution of it has just had to, oh, I'll take ages. No, let's do it anyway. And mm. they've just done it, and it just sort of threw it away. Matt gets very excited by those bits. I think they say to him, you know, that we've got this guy coming on, we're going to do this thing, and he's going to love it. And Matt goes, they are going to love it. And then they do it, and the person goes, <laughs> like that. And Matt goes, they loved it. They <laughs> loved it. Yeah, and in subsequent meetings, you know they're just going, remember how they loved it. But they sort of didn't care about anything to do with this because it was like Michael Palin has just been to North Korea, has got a TV show about it. Michael, who chooses where you go on holiday? Is it you or your wife? Yeah. <laughs> there was a similar thing there where they had Jonathan Price on. I just tell you. Do you know what? If someone had said to me, is Jonathan Price a good raconteur before this week? I'd have said, well, he must be. He's a great actor. He's one of the worst people I've ever seen on television. <laughs> yeah. He was, there was a really... And I've seen Fred West. <laughs> <laughs> At least he had stories <laughs> <laughs> about his sexual prowess. <laughs> so, Fred, you ever uh, seen a peacock? <laughs> <laughs> he, he got, I, I mean, I started this episode to watch it and you're absolutely right but I, I, I realised I, I wrote not very much down about anything to do with Jonathan Price because of like that the episode reason episode went on for at least an hour yeah it was, was just it was on. nothing it was, it was the one with the new feature remember the new feature we've talked about which is oh yes you know a classic a this classic. week I mean this was uh, Dawn Robinson in Rochdale with her 92 year old father Bill stranded at a station and a stranger got Bill home you know who you are. Right. <laughs> and, and say one thing, right? What the fuck is that? As a Someone drove Bill home because he couldn't get through to the taxi firm. They drove him home. And at no point did Bill, with his 92 years of experience, think to fucking ask, what's your name? <laughs> right? And why don't you give me your number and I'll give you a ring and say thanks. Instead, he rings the one show and they go, we'll never be able to work out who this person is. Bill, next time, fucking ask her a name. And then they can go on the one show and go, and thanks to Susan. Done. Yeah. No, she knows who she is. 92 years old. Learned yeah. nothing. She's, I'd have left him there. 
I will. I will. <laughs> I'm going to move to where he lives solely so I can hang around the station. This will be a, that struggling. would be a better you know who you are section. Yeah. It's, got, it's got the menace that so Alex Jones man, is used to. A man, like, a man was left. Yeah. Yeah. Left 19, to sleep rough at a station 92, 92 so years old. Found frozen. shouted at. Well, 92-year-old <laughs> Bill. Remember, he was a skewed. A man was shouting at him for being rude and then he died. But this well, you know who you, you know are. Who you, are. <laughs> you know who you are. And we do as well, Mark Haynes. <laughs> <laughs> I do it again. <laughs> also in this episode was those two freaks from University Challenge. Uh, Eric Monkman and Bobby uh, Seagull. Yeah, I don't know which is which. I still don't know, like with Anton Deck, really, until the drink driving <laughs> thing. I don't know which is which out of Eric Monkman and Bobby. Se- is Eric Monkman the one who talks with his eyes closed but has got a permanent grin on his face? That's yep. Monkman, the, monk, the one that as soon as somebody responds to something he said looks just delighted. Like, <laughs> he, he can't believe it that somebody's responded to him. And, and the other so, one, Seagull, so was a cute. bit chippy. It was a bit chippy about the whole thing, but they kept mentioning uh, things that Monkman had, and he kept sort of going, "Well, I've done it as well." They did have and a pro Monkman bias. It was like the Rowan Atkinson Ben Miller yeah, thing all it over really again. Was. It was like we like Atkinson, we like Monkman, we don't like Ben Miller, we don't like a Seagull. classic example of what I, I think is the nerd joke here, where they they were saying, "What's the show about?" And it's called "The Genius Guide to Great Britain." Yeah. These are two of the cleverest men on earth. And let me tell you, when it comes to working out what show they're going to be on, we don't have any geniuses in television. <laughs> so they send these two guys just around on a road trip. And the basic joke that Eric Monkman had that he was so pleased with was, we go to places of scientific interest, places of historical interest, and places of historical and scientific interest. <laughs> I really thought, this is going to be a long half hour. <laughs> and it was. They had one show viewers send in questions, because they mm. were on University Challenge, famously, uh, to try and, and stump them, the words they used. Yeah, there was a funny thing about when they get clever people in on the one show, they like to sort of treat them like idiots. And so they were sort of going, we've got another question for you. Like they were talking to elderly people. These are geniuses. You don't need to sort of With speak all, slowly. Geniuses though, but what is great about that is that geniuses should be left to their own genius devices, which yeah. is basically university challenge. But instead, you then take them out of their comfort zone completely and put them in the spotlight of A, their own television programme that they are not really geared up for, and B, put them on the one show where they have to interact with human beings. It's just, it's, I mean, it's a, a road trip, but it's a car crash waiting to happen. To be fair, though, I mean, I every single one of those questions, I just went, I, I've no, what, no idea. And perhaps that's why I should be a viewer of the one show in yeah. the University Challenge. I am saying, she, says, she said, I, if, I, if I get six right... Oh. She said, if I get six right when I'm watching University Challenge, then that is that is wonderful. That section was an absolute crystallization of everything that is wrong with the interview technique on the one show. That is, it was a, it's a decent question mm. to come off the back of that and be like, oh, when you watch at home, how many do you reckon you get? Yeah. And if it was four seconds each, you get six. Well, how many do you get, Jonathan? About three? Great. Okay, well, here's the first question. It went on for like 25 <laughs> seconds, yeah. just <laughs> dangling the whole time. And it was like nobody knew who to pick it up. And, <laughs> the, the it just, and it makes the whole thing excruciating. You think, why did you ask this? Why have you wasted my time with this? I don't, like, I'll never need to know how many questions there are those moments where right. I do have a thing where I go, is Alex the greatest person on television ever? I don't know, but I don't think anyone's more honest. And so when they were saying, well, you know, I get sick. And Jonathan Price had said three, but three good ones. And Alex just said, I mean, one is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> she might it's, be the best. And she actually got a question right of those four. She did, yeah. Mon- Monkman and Seagull fucked yeah. it up. What was the Welsh was, for? Cuddle. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, in, it's 
playing to her strengths. It's but worth saying. the Welsh for cuddle? Yeah. Uh, Coley, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth saying. I said, I said with complete oh, no, confidence. Oh, Scottish for cuddle. I, uh, <laughs> no, it's no language for cuddle. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I, I was saying, I sat over my prison slang for cuddle. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, Chris. By the time. If this goes out in December. <laughs> Two thumbs up. Uh, it's worth saying. I sat with my wife and really confidently said, "Oh, I know this one. Yeah, it's hug. Welsh, Welsh for cuddle is hug." I was really confident. <laughs> I was super aware. Not only can I not get university challenge questions right, I can't get one, one show <laughs> questions right. When when the the guests do step out and and comment on the one show as an entity as well. Danny Dyer did it, actually. At the beginning, actually, at the beginning of the show, he'd, he'd gone, oh, it's a lovely little show, isn't it? Uh, it's like, uh, oh, it uh, gives you a little cuddle, doesn't it? This show, lovely, lovely little show. A little hug for little our hug. Welsh listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and then they talked about his, um, without going there, they talked about, you know, when he called David Cameron a twat. Yeah. And they said, so, so you, you know, you called David Cameron a, a real... A twit. Twitter, a, twi- a twit. A twit. A twit. Uh, and he sort of went, do you, want to, do you want to go there at seven o'clock? <laughs> yeah, I had some real nice Sean Ryder on TFI Friday. Yeah, 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 and I was like, oh, oh no. Well, he's a twat. He played the game. Good old days. He skirted around it. But then they you know, they did the peacock thing out of nowhere. And he cut back to him on the sofa, staring at the screen they get to watch. And he cut back to him. And he, he just went, it's a nutty show, this, isn't it? It's, uh, <laughs> it's a, I just watched a peacock pull in another peacock. I mean, I'm over the moon for it. <laughs> I love Danny Dyer. <laughs> That's great. They, 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 again, when they introduced Arlene Atkins, they were doing a, a horrible bit at the top where they were going, Matt and I have been having an argument about who's the most impressive of our guests. And they went through some sort of odds and ends. But they didn't follow up on them. And so the last line of it was they went, well, Eileen Atkins, once during filming, demanded a monkey. And <laughs> then they got to them. But there was never any reference again to the circumstances of what this story was. Tell us about the monkey. Yeah. There's no going off script, just there. There's no interaction. There's no follow-up. Not in one episode. Not one presenter. No. There's even it happened really with Michael Palin. So they played him. Uh, was it? It was in Hungarian. This was that came off the yeah. back of the Rory Reid traveling round Hungary using various apps to it's sort a of translation apps yeah. navigate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they came out of it and they said, uh, "So Michael, have a listen to uh, have a listen to this. See if you know what it is." And they played um, a couple of lines from the Lumberjack song translated into Hungarian. He did it twice, and he was like, no, I don't know what it is. We told him. And then he said, oh, well, um, I actually had to learn the Lumberjack song in, in German. So we said, both went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh, and went to start speaking, and Michael Payne said, would you like me to tell you what it was? <laughs> and then they were like, um, no, you, really. you can. And then it was like... They were just going to straight on. They've carried on, and he went, do you want me to tell you what it was? Because I'm setting that up for you. The future of this is them saying, do you have an anecdote about a monkey? And the person going, yes, and going, great. Do you have an anecdote about (laughs) losing your coat? Yes, great. Do you have an anecdote about being in a car? No. Oh, that's a shame. Okay, next, let's go to see Giles Brandreth, who is skinning a pig. You know, we were talking about the graphics department. Mm. So the sound department got something exciting to do as well this week. And I lo- it always happens near the beginning of the show where the guests are. When other departments, we've, we've had jokes previously about cameramen. We know their names now. Yeah. I know you're writing a list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There will be a reckoning. Yeah. So the, the graphics department got a look at Michael Palin's face. 
and the sound department got an effect to do. So there was the beginning of the show. They opened it. This was Sarah Cox and Alex Jones. And they started off by going uh, a big hello to, I think she was called Nadia, Nadia Snow in Scunthorpe. Uh, get this. She got a free prize this week with a bag of ready salted crisps. And they had a little clip of this woman who filmed it on her phone opening some crisps. And just a whole potato came out. <laughs> then it came out and you sort of go... Was that what was that? What is, is was, this Brexit? What is this? What are we? What are we watching? And then they went. Um, huh, you should have seen what came out when she opened the milk. They st- stared into the camera, and then there was this <laughs> sound effect like that. And Sarah Cox went, "Oh, very good." What? And I was just staring at it, going, "What? Are you, what was that?" It's, it's a non. It's a, a woman's got a potato in a bag, be, and now you've be done. Better that. if they'd have cut to some caviar, and then they'd had the noise of a fish having a wank. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that because I was then thinking, why I'm glad did they you go? Said that. I'm, looking forward, <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to where this is going. I'm glad you said that because I sat there for. A, I paused it for thinking. Well, I'm going to mention this on the podcast. The only other thing I could think of they could say was, what, what else could she have opened in the kitchen? And then they should, should have had a visual of someone opening a jar of jam and a gollywog falling out. <laughs> <laughs> but given the one show's, <laughs> let's say, history with the gollywog, <laughs> it's probably best they didn't. Camilla, you'll remember that. Was it a Carol Thatcher incident? I don't remember this Do you at not all. Remember it? This was a great bit of gossip. Um, Carol Thatcher was a presenter. Oh, yeah, God, yeah. she was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you remember? And she was in the green room. In that, the green oh, room. Oh, yes, it was. And there was. A, there I was a, didn't remember it being the one a show. Racial slur. Yes, that's right. And she was actually sacked for it. From, yeah. from the one I show. Don't yeah. I think we've seen her since. No, it's John. You know, it's very, very easy to say that people who do bad things should be let go from jobs, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) There was another another VT with a guy who was obviously making a real cry for help. Did you see it? It was the A to Z when they went to Corn. I had this down as dullish segment, right? Yeah, it was so dull. All rights A to Z of the UK or the domain of the Yellow Meadow Ant. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, and he was sort of where he got a haircut. This was like the big. Like his his big thing to do in Quorn was uh, asking the locals like, oh, so what's there to do? Like, well, you could get a haircut. <laughs> and like then a nice place though. And the next yeah. morning he was having breakfast and he said, the voiceover was, yeah. Yeah. is there a better way to start the day than with Haddock? And it just cut to him going, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was deliberate, but it looked, it looked like a real cry for help. Like, please get me out of here. I'm not eating this fucking shit. Don't want to be here. Absolutely right, because I thought that is an editing, that's a director's fuck up there. Or, or it was absolutely... Because it was a really a quiet, like, yes. Yes. The timing of it was perfect. So it was almost like, you're absolutely right, the whole crew... Were, it's it's a, it, to to us maybe to us personally they would just go please help us please yeah. never send us to Quorn again help us where where's help P gonna us. be where the fuck are they gonna send us to P <laughs> but that's it the plate was put down and the idea was he was going yes to the plate but the editing made it go is there a better way hang on yes. so yes. so there's a a thing they're running which is A to Z of Britain is there yeah yeah we've been doing this for nearly a year. I have never seen one of these before. Is I've that... put that, I've written those exact <laughs> words here. No I, I have never They're seen on one Q. of these. I haven't either. This, so, have we missed A, U, 2, whatever comes before Q? Don't <laughs> ask me. <laughs> or, have they started, at, they can't have started at Q. No, because they explained at the beginning how they struggled, because yeah. they found a place called Corn, like the vegetarian Corn. And this, this, this has not run for a year. 
Well, I, well I, um, maybe he goes every time he needs a haircut. And it's just like <laughs> once, every, once every three months. And they've done it from the start. This is, I mean, you can do anything on The One Show, can't you? Because nobody is paying attention. You can do anything. No. You, you can say, you know, this is number 151 in this series that we do. And it's the first one. It's a scam. And we should get Dom Littlewood to shut it down. <laughs> is there uh, any other business? Anything we've missed out that anyone wants to bring up? There was a section in, um, they were talking to Michael Palin about his new book, which is about ships, and they're talking about seafaring. And Michael Palin was talking, you know, he's obviously passionate about it, and said, you know, you know I, I've always found it very interesting, and uh, water covers 71% of the planet. And in the background, Matt, Matt said, ah, Oceana. <laughs> and... We even and I couldn't figure out what I couldn't figure out what he was talking about. I was like, "What is that a word? I don't know." So I looked it up. I know there's Oce- Oceania, which is the sort of Australian continent, continent. Uh, that they call. And then I was like, "Oceania's a club. There used to be a club. Right? There was one in Leeds. I remember at university I went to it. Oceania. I was like, has he confused that? <laughs> his, he like- his family farm is in Durham. But what <laughs> oh, we need yeah. to work out is where he went to university. Yeah. Uh, it might be an agricultural college. It's very good. <laughs> yeah. uh, Oceana was great. Good. Really good. God, that's a flashback. Wonder if I ever that's got... what Matt Baker was having. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wonder if it's I ever so got bad. off with Matt Baker. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what this podcast is all about. There was a weird moment on the Friday show, though, with Niall Rogers on, where he was kind of interacting as if he was on a normal show. And then he went off and did a song which sounded like a kind of normal song. You're thinking, just for a minute, this is kind of what I imagine BBC imagined the one show to be, a sort of, you know, post- Jonathan Ross or Terry Wogan style happy friendly show with know, real stars. Were you saying that, Camilla? That's actually That's throwing the me. Only minute. The one show is is an attempt to do stuff like Wogan, which looks really simple to do. Yeah, yeah. And they can't get it right. They even fucked up that link. So she was trying to introduce it, and I don't know. I don't know who the supporting, who the vocalist is in that Chic song because she went, and it's Chic featuring, and then suddenly boom, 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 <laughs> and the drums get straight in over the top of her, and you couldn't hear a word she was saying, so she didn't get to finish her sentence. It is funny because it doesn't seem like it should be as hard as it is to do the one show and to do it well. You get Rowan Atkinson on, you get Chic on, you know, you got Michael Palin on. They had great. I mean. Good guests. Yeah. Sheik and Danny Dyer. I mean, that's a dream show. <laughs> and yeah, 20 minutes of it was, come on, this is a fucking peacock we're looking at. <laughs> well, we, we came in with peacocks. We got, uh, on a, just sort of end with that butterfly film that we talked about, which was squashed right at the end of the Johnny English. Um, the, well, let's call it, what's it called? The Rowan, uh, the one show. It's called The Rowan Atkinson Show. Wasn't yeah. it? Where this pointless film, was, I said, was, was two and a half minutes long about a butterfly in Edinburgh that they wanted to spread around the rest of Edinburgh. That that was kind of it. There's some shots of the butterfly and then they grew two yellow flowers on the roof of uh, Holyrood, the parliamentary building, because they've got a roof garden and it attracts that. And it would and, and it, they explained helpfully that this would attract the butterfly from wherever it was over there closer into the city centre because they put these flowers on this roof. Right. Uh, and helpfully the butterfly expert said, and it's bec- it works because butterflies don't have to negotiate roads <laughs> or go through building. <laughs> Extra. Thank you very much. But then George Maguire just said, it doesn't look like much. <laughs> and I thought, you have just described both your film and the one show. <laughs> uh, look, Camilla and Chris, thank you very much for 
well, just stomaching the whole thing, really. <laughs> and coming in. Uh, Thanks Martin, for having us. Thank you, as ever. Hey. Rate and review. We have to say this because that's what people. I've listened to podcasts. People always this, say this, this is stuff. the new being paid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pay, us, pay us in stars. But I, I do want to thank uh, listener Kingswood Bird. Which sounds like something of one show would do a film about um, on iTunes. Who said that this podcast is unique because it's improved by not watching the show the podcast is Look, talking. Everything about. is improved by not watching the one show. Uh, possibly you've stumbled across the one show at an elderly relative's house, and thus is forever linked to fondant fancies and the heating being turned up too high. <laughs> this podcast celebrates the feeling of boredom crossed with an inability to look away. I think that kind of sums it up. So if you have a moment to review and comment, please do. But whatever you do, remember this. When you look at the television to look at the one show, the one show also looks back into you. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.